Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been handpicked from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers, and I have often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're like as real people, usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? Because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human just like the rest of us, and I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I've gathered from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of mechanical engineering. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. You know, I always love having mechanical engineers on the show because I just feel like, oh, I really, if there's one thing I understand, it's studying mechanical engineering, <laughs> having done it for so many years myself. It, it's a fun field. And it's really multidisciplinary. I think people in general has an impression that, you know, mechanical engineering has to be about I don't know, fixing cars and stuff like that. But in reality, um, it it can be a hot and sexy area, if you know what I mean. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of the uh, technologically advanced uh, research is actually very much uh, done uh, by mechanical engineers. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I just thought, you know, we should, we should uh, mention this at the beginning of the show in case people thought that we are just going to talk about, you know, getting our hands dirty and greasy. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. I mean, whenever I tell people that I studied mechanical engineering, people always say to me, oh, can you fix my car? And I always just roll my eyes because I probably, well, not probably, I definitely couldn't fix their car but I very much understand how the engine works and various other components of that mechanical um, device or system. Um, and it's just so weird how people have such uh, an inaccurate idea of what mechanical engineers do. I, I think it's not just mechanical engineer, but you actually the label, what exactly is engineer? Because, you know, any person who come and fix our bathroom is called an engineer. Yes. Anybody who come and check our gas safety is called an engineer. And our Wi-Fi. Yes, they are also called an engineer, even though they never fix our Wi-Fi. 
Um, but, <laughs> but but I think because of that, people have a uh, uh, people in general don't have a very accurate um, impression or of what exactly is an engineer. So to them, it'll be a guy who come and fix things. So when we tell people we are engineer, they immediately think that we will be able to fix something for them. Does that frustrate you? I don't, I wouldn't say that it's frustrating, but I think it really downgraded the word engineer a lot. Right. So yeah. um, it, it will be, it would be nice if people understand that engineers don't just use their hands, but we actually use our brain more. We are basically more like a problem solver rather than tighten. just get a spanner and, you know, tighten a nut. But And have know, grease under our fingers. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that. It could also be fun too, but, you know, there's only one aspect of, you know, our, our work. Yeah. So how would you like an engineer to be perceived? I I never thought too much about how I would like people to perceive engineer or what I do. Because, you know, sometimes we can't really please everyone, if you know what I mean. So we, we a lot of time we do what we like and we do what we think is right. So... I, I feel that uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and, you know, as a byproduct of it, I'm also helping people. So <laughs> mm. I guess that's what I like about being an engineer. You know, it's a challenging work. It's, it's, a fun, it's fun, but we also help people. Oh, that's such an inspiring and beautiful answer because what I've always come across when it comes to engineers is they really do have a genuine passion and interest in what they do. And it sounds like you have that too. Uh, well, I would look at it, you know, helping people is just a byproduct, but you know, the passion in what I'm doing, that is true. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get into it? I mean, from a very early age, did you believe that this was how your career would turn out? In in I I would say that yes because you know some people take a very long path to find out what they want and I think it's now getting more and more common for our students as well you know um they will need to experience a lot before they realize what they like uh for me I I know what I want to do since I was a very young child and at that time. Yeah. The only thing in my mind was I want to do something that helped people. So um, at some point, I thought about maybe I can be a doctor. But as it turned out, I'm afraid of blood. So if I cut myself, I really have to sit down. So <laughs> I thought, okay, so what else I can do to help people? So yeah. that's how I ended up to be an engineer. Well, that is so cool that the next thought you had was okay, engineering can help people. That's like, I mean, if that's second to being a doctor, that's really impressive, I think. Well, I, I would say that in, in a sense, engineering or engineer really have big impact in the society. I mean, obviously you have, you know, um, people who de um, develop cancer drugs and whatnot, and they are definitely helping people. But sometimes mm. I wonder, okay, um, 
you know, we are living longer and longer life, but if we live a very uncomfortable life, so what's the point? So yes, we 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 want mm. to live long, we want to conquer all the disease, but engineer come in to make sure that our life is comfortable and in a sense worth mm. living. So I I, I think right. we we really make a big impact. Yeah. What were you like as a kid? Were you was it obvious from your interests and your hobbies as a young girl that um, you would end up in something like mechanical engineering? I think I know I'll be an engineer or at least I know I'll be doing research but um, mechanical engineering is not the first thing that come into my mind so um, I start off being trained as a material scientist actually and and um, one thing maybe um people might not know is that as I said, mechanical engineering is actually a very broad field and it is really multidisciplinary. So um this area actually attracts a lot of people from other disciplines to join and together as a team we try to make things better. So I'm basically one of those people who got attracted into mechanical engineering and slowly get converted to be a mechanical engineer. So you kind of went into mechanical engineering from materials? Yes. So you went from something specific to something broad then? Uh, you know, nowadays it's actually very hard to say which one is broad anymore, you know, because everybody works as a team and nobody knows everything. So in mechanical engineering, yeah. you also have a lot of chemists, you have a lot of physicists, you have chemical engineers, mm-hmm. you have material scientists. But if you go and look at people in material science it's actually the same thing you also see electrical engineer you see mechanical engineer i think at the end of the day is about teamwork and you know we have a common goal about you know making life better for everyone so were you a typical sort of engineering style kid i mean i think i was in the sense that i was always taking things apart Um, looking inside, seeing what they were made of, often breaking things because I didn't know how to put them back together again. Um, So I just think there were clues in my childhood that I would end up studying engineering. Did you have anything similar like that? I like to break toys just because, you know, sometimes it's fun to break things, but I'm not someone who (laughs) like to really play Lego and whatnot. To me, it's more about... Oh. curiosity of what is going on around me you know right. if you look at the sky and you see the contrail and you wonder why they are formed yeah. that way or you know if you see a mosquito you know jumping on a pond and you try to think why is it like this or <laughs> so it's yeah. more about that but but I do end up becoming an experimentalist so I do have to use my hand very regularly <laughs> But I, right. I'm not a child that used to put Legos together, so to speak. But, you know, people mature in different ways and they go through different paths. So I think a lot of the uh, people that I met, they they have a similar experience as you just mentioned. So they are people that really like to build things. And there are also other people who 
tend to just love to read and do a lot of math and they 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 all become good engineers. Mm. Actually I'm so glad that you say that because I think we often live in societies where people like to pigeonhole. And so, you know, they say, oh, you know, you love playing with Lego, therefore you should be an engineer, or you loved playing with dolls, and therefore you should be a nurse, or, you know, or a mother. And it's so freeing to actually acknowledge that engineers can come from all different styles of childhood, and that we don't have to keep putting ourselves in boxes. No, uh, uh, what you said is exactly right. I mean, the the I think one of the privilege of being a child or a young person is that you know you can do what you like, and as I said, you know people like to experience a lot of things, and even even if someone, let's say, if you have a a teenager who is not doing mathematics or physics. It actually doesn't mean that they can't be an engineer. So I'll I'll give mm-hmm. you an example, but I'm not going to mention names. So I know this uh, person who is a very very famous um, uh, researcher in the field. Um, I worked with him for a while, and that person actually had a undergrad degree in sociology and is now a very famous oh, wow. uh, scientist. So. It's a matter of what you like and whether you're determined to do something. And people's interests do change. And that's why I think it's quite important not to put anyone, including ourselves, into a box. And that's why, you know, when we were asked how we were like in a child or, you know, what we wanted to do when we were a child, in a sense, it really doesn't mean a lot, if you see what I mean, because, you know, we are who we are today and that's actually what is important. Ah, that kind of explains why you didn't quite answer the question when I first asked it. I was thinking, interesting, she's avoided the childhood question. Um, But I completely agree with you. And I just, it's so refreshing to hear you say that because people's interests do change. And, you know, often you see people have second careers, which have got nothing to do with what they studied and so you know thank you for your openness um open-mindedness to um actually encourage people to follow their passions and their curiosities rather than the labels they've collected along the way um you you have also changed career if you think about it (laughs) I know. And I've spent a long, long time feeling a bit bad about it, I must say. Um, But then I get to talk to amazing women like you and remember that, you know, I also had a real curiosity for the world around me. And um, I enjoy sort of having that in common with you. And it makes me feel like, yeah, I'm still an engineer at heart. So what was your journey like through um, academia? In the sense of being a woman, because, you know, unfortunately, ratios haven't really changed that much of men to women. And so what was your experience like going through academia? I actually don't have bad experience. I think I'm one of those that are very fortunate. However, I remember when um, I was a student, um, that was the time perhaps 
I was about to go to grad school and I was trying to apply for school and I was thinking of either mechanical engineering or materials engineering. And I talked to uh, a professor and that guy was very nice and I uh, worked with him for summer project and whatnot. And at the time he said something really odd. He was saying that I was, I, I was good as a student and I should take advantage of my gender. And I felt really, really offended. Um, since then, the way I look at it is um, whether I'm trying to hire my student or postdoc or I try to work with other people, I do hope that they don't see me, whether I'm a female or a male, they should just look at me as on my achievement. So this actually go back to the idea of, you know, at the moment, there's a lot of push about pushing more um women into STEM. So especially for department like mechanical engineering, the the thing actually is that if we start off not having a lot of female students now, it is very difficult to have female academics. So to to have a more balanced uh, 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 number of women and men in the department, the only thing we can do actually is to Think about what happened in 10 years or 20 years where we go and inspire kids and teenagers uh, to, to become engineers and to become scientists. So if we do it now by just pushing more women to become academic, despite the fact that the pool itself don't have a lot of female graduate students, then we, we run into the problem of people think that we get into where we are now because we are female. So, so, I, mean, so it, it, I, I do understand that, you know, the policy nowadays is, is trying to do good. I think the intention is good. But I almost felt like the way we are doing now is make it is actually a disadvantage to female academics so so i felt that we have to actually work extremely hard or harder than my male academic in order to get uh the recognition um just because of the policy nowadays that all we have to promote the female academic to go to uh, to become professor or whatnot because of this idea mm. of political correctness so I, I so, so I, I I don't know. I mean, it might not be what people want to hear. People in general want want to celebrate a lot of female being in academic or in science, mm. and they celebrate policy of promoting that. But I think to to take such a short term approach is not right because it's in 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 reality we just don't have that many people to choose from. Mm. So you're saying that the the limited number of people, the limited number of women we have to choose from ends up putting extraordinary pressure on them. Yes. And when you have a female that is actually good, people look at you and think you get to where you are just because you are female. So... Wow. When when I get my yeah. job, 
when I got my job, I remember I was still in in a foreign country because I did my PhD somewhere else. So when I told my uh, colleagues there that I got a job, the first thing they said was, "Oh, you got it because you're a female." Right. And yeah. it actually also happened to my other black another black colleagues. He got a job yeah. because he's black, but you see, because of this biasness, you know, it, it kind of um, undermines the effort we have put in in order to get to where we are. But I, I think things are changing in the sense of because of the outreach that, you know, we are doing. You know, if we, if we, like, if we go to primary school now and if we go to high school now, so that uh, to talk to students so that more female students understand that, you know, if they really want to do engineering and if they actually have the passion to do it, they can do it. Then once you have, you know, more female students, some of them is bound to be very good. And that at that point, no matter whether you have policy to promote female academic or not, they will get to where they should be. Mm. Yeah, it's, I see your point, um, and it's very subtle um, and also very significant. Um, but how do you suggest resolving a lack of female role models then? Um, I was thinking, should we should we place so much gen uh, emphasis on gender so i can only speak from my own experience or you know when i talk to my undergrad who wanted to move on to grad school i mean you we might take a role model of a great scientist or a, a great engineer but do we really think a lot about whether, for example, Newton is a male or a female. You see, you see what I mean? I think it's, in that, I, I, do, I, I do understand the point of if my role model is a female and the person has gone through some difficulty, maybe I could pick up some uh, uh, tips on how to survive in a male-dominating world. Mm. But I think the first thing for, at least the way I look at it is for, for me to be able to do my job and do my job well, is don't, don't be too inward looking by emphasizing that I am a female. I mean, I am a researcher, I'm an engineer, I'm a person, and I take inspiration from great engineer, Greek scientists, and I don't think too much about the gender. Mm. Does that mean that you haven't felt limited then because you're female in terms of the way you have learned and the way you conduct your research? I think it's a, it's a, it's in a sense is if, if, I don't think I feel discriminated. I mean, that would be the short answer. 
I don't know if it is. I don't. I don't know if I don't feel discriminated because I never thought too much about it. You know, if if there is a proposal I need to write, I try my best to 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 do a good job. And if I get funded, great. If I don't get funded, there's feedback anyway. I look at it, and next time I can do better. I mean, obviously, I can also look at it as okay. I don't get it because I don't know a. Everybody in the panel are, are 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 male and 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 you know they would rather give it to someone that they know. You can we can also look at it that way. So sometimes, um, mm. how 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 we um decide to 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 it it really depends on how we decide to view a certain outcome. Yes, that's so powerful. So you've never had the thought then, I'm female, I'm biologically different from men, and therefore I approach mechanical engineering differently to my male counterparts. I look at it as I am a person and everyone is unique and we have different interests. I also understand that physically we are different. So, for example, if I go to a machine shop and if somebody asks me to saw a piece of steel, I can't do it as well. I mean, this is this is just biologically different. But I just think mm-hmm. that everybody is different, and that's why everybody work on a different area, and that's why we can work together. And it actually go back to whether we should put people in a box. I mean, why? Why? Because yeah. of me being a female, I should, I would have a certain interest. I mean, that is not the case. I mean, doesn't mean that my math will be worse. Therefore, I cannot do simulation. I mean, there are very good female, uh, you know, uh, mathematician or you know, computational analysts. There are female who work on engine and stuff like that. So, if we treat, or at least how I look at it is, we just treat ourselves as you know unique and we have different interests basically it's a choice isn't it you're choosing not to discriminate yourself and I think that's what's so powerful about what you've said is that actually you're making the choice and what happens outside of you in the world in society etc has got nothing to do with you because you know who you are Mm. Uh, you you can put it that way or 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 in another way to look at it is you know um it's a matter of perspective i mean if something happened we are all going to look at it a little bit differently depending on whether we see ourselves as a victim or or for example it does depends on whether we have faith in the system for example so if if someone definitely have no faith in the system, obviously no matter what happened, they are going to think that they are being discriminated against. I'm not saying that our system is perfect. I mean, obviously, um, there will be you know a flaw in the system, but I think everybody probably have an equal chance of being disadvantaged. So and and in that yes. sense i think academic is relatively a fair field if you know what i mean because at the end of the day all of us are here probably not just for money i mean 
we 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 have a salary and you know it is is a is a okay salary but we are here more probably to 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 fulfill you know a calling so to speak so it is actually quite important mm -hmm. for all of us to be able to work together and try to gather the best people for the job so maybe the fact that i am in such an environment also means that I have more freedom to express myself as who I am, and I don't need to worry as much about my gender. <sighs> wow, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like I want to hug you. Um, it's just so powerful your perspective on this. Um, because I'm older, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. So. Has it taken a while to get to this level of understanding of yourself? Oh, no, actually. I would say that when I was younger, I'm just angry about everything. It's never about my gender. <laughs> now I think I look at it a little bit like, okay, you know, there's no point to be angry about anything or everything, you know. We we only have control about what Why? we do. Okay, so because I think... A lot of us go through angry years. <laughs> um, what made you decide to stop being angry? I think this is going to... I'm not trying to encourage people to go through my path, but I think for anyone who, who, who are capable should go through grad school. Grad school really break you down. <laughs> um... um <laughs> You know, when 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 in, during in graduate school, um, when you are trained to be a PhD, and I'm sure you understand what I mean. Uh, as a student, our sole purpose will be to crack the project, right? And there will there are so there were so many nights, there was so much frustration. We just have to keep trying and trying and trying mm -hmm. to make something to work. I think. This process really make you understand, make me understand that the only thing I have control of is how I view things. Whether I'm happy, I'm not happy. You know, this is something I need to do, and I must do it. I have, I'm determined to do it. Therefore, I do it. <laughs> uh, or you could have given up. It's 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 not even in the question. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a choice. <laughs> My parents used to say that we do need to know when to stop. Um, it was actually one of the questions I asked a Nobel laureate one time. So um, one Nobel laureate came, um, you know, gave a talk, and I asked him, I said, there was so much frustration uh, doing experiments. It never worked. Should I know when to stop and when to change things? Mm -hmm. And that's what the guy told me. It's out of the question. You know, if, if you believe in it, you just have to be determined to do it and it will be solved. The problem will be solved. Mm. And it's true. But you have to believe in it and that can be difficult. Just finding that belief, that conviction. Yes, but don't you think this is part of why we become engineer or why we become researcher. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, yes. um, for the skills that um, you have picked up in grad school or I have picked up in grad school, 
or you know a lot of our students end up in the bank or work for insurance company mm. and and I'm actually very happy for them you know they even if you work in a bank or in an insurance company you are still using your the skill you pick up in uh, engineering in research you have to be able to think uh, logically you have to plan things you use your mathematics skill you use your problem solving skill but the purpose of life become quite different. So say, for example, for you to do your job to inspire young people, I mean, this is not just about money. And, you know, there is passion involved. I think once passion is involved, you we, we look at things a bit differently. And that's why we, we can have more belief in what we do, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And so what's driving you now? What 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 makes you wake up in the morning and run to your research? Well, there is part that are more enjoyable and part that is less enjoyable. So I'll talk about the more enjoyable part. So the enjoyable part is um, I do have a research portfolio and I do different things. And um, a lot of these things are really things that I like. So I always joke that when I, when I, assign a project to my student or my postdoc, it's like I give them my baby. So if they don't work hard, it's like they are not treating my baby right. So so that part for me is exciting. I would like to know if there's any uh, progress in those uh, uh, research and if there are problems I really want to help because I want to see my baby grow and you know become fruitful and, and stuff like that. That is the part no. I like. Uh, the part that I don't like is uh, is that you know research nowadays, especially experimental research, um, require a lot of resources. So it really boils down to money. So if if I run a group, so I will have to make sure that my my people get paid. So, so so I do have to get up and think and write and try to get more resources to support them. So sometimes mm. yeah so i don't i in a sense you can say that we don't live just for ourselves i mean we do have to make sure that people that that are in our team are well taken care of and that is also part of the drivers that get us up every morning to do our job mm. you sound like such a caring nurturing person um how does that extend to the other aspects of being a woman as in you know your views on family and relationships and friendships and things like that do you have time for it <laughs> um <laughs> i think this is where being a woman is probably being disadvantaged. So um, during my grad school time, so um, I was in a group of about, um, I mean, this group size fluctuate, but roughly 10 people. And four of us were girls. And actually, um, uh, excluding myself, so three of them got married during grad school. And uh, one of them actually have a kid uh, before graduation. 
So um, oh, wow. actually, that probably ended up not a bad idea because what happened was that um, the other two friends of mine, they they obviously didn't have time for having a child during grad school. After that, they took up a postdoc position, which was very stressful and didn't have time for children. And um, they both got an academic position and um, one of them uh, have a, I think got pregnant maybe the fourth year during tenure, uh, uh, during the tenure period. So she had to extend for a year, uh, but you know, everything worked out okay, so that's fine. And then the, 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 the other person actually didn't even have kids until um, she finished tenured. So when she got tenured, then um, she decided to have children. Um, I myself don't have children, um, but um, it's probably more about a personal choice. Um, but we do have colleagues that have a few kids as well. So uh, I, 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 so I, I'm not sure. So if I talk to my student, I will have to, like if I look back at or if I have a student now female student now. I always joke that if they have a boyfriend or whatever, they should consider having kids now. Otherwise, they have to wait till after postdoc or after tenure. And that actually happened quite a lot. Um, so, you know, for people who want to have children early, that become not an option, I think. So, so people might, not people might have to wait because academic is actually as you can imagine, is quite competitive. Whether you are male or female, it is competitive. So yeah. I, 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 I do think that, you know, in terms of family planning, um, people need to take that into account. And I, I, I also think it's not just a, a female problem because, for example, I see my male colleagues who, who just have a child you know, they all have to go home by five and, you know, uh, they have to come at night. So the work time, the actual work time become rather short. So it's also very stressful mm. whether you are dad or mom. But I guess um, for a mom is 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 a bit more stressful just because, you know, biologically it you are female is more attached to the baby initially. Yeah. So um, it it mm. I mean in short it does require planning. Right. I mean it sounds like a major distraction from the ambition. I think yes. I I um, wouldn't say that in the sense I think we need to be very careful because I think it's a personal decision and it's a personal choice. So. We what I think what we need to ask ourselves is what do we want in life and is it possible for us to have the best of everything? And what's your answer to that? I think I do get the best of everything because I never like children. <laughs> so I'm okay with it. <laughs> I all I have also seen other people who get the best of everything. For example, um there are two female professors that I know, and they have uh, one of them have three children, and the other one have four children. And you know, when I talk to them, they basically told me that once you have kids, 
you learn to work more efficiently, you learn to delegate. So you basically pick up skills to 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 survive in the the environment you are in. So probably mm-hmm. other people can do it uh better some people can do it better some people might not be able to do it so it, it, i think it's a very personal decision but i i do think planning is quite important i think we live in a world where we see certain women having it all they have the career they have the kids they've got a supportive husband they're maybe earning a lot i mean some women really come across as ticking all of the boxes Um, And then it puts stress and pressure on other women to follow suit. Um, But it doesn't sound like you fall into that category of feeling pressurized by what other women are doing. Mm, I think at the end of the day, we need to be comfortable with our own skin. I think this is the thing. And it actually boils down to whether we are confident about ourselves or not. If if someone is not very confident, it really doesn't matter how much accomplishment a person has. He or she will always feel like they are being judged and, and therefore they will be pressured to do something. So one of the things I think we all need to learn, whether we are male or female, is that we, we have to have some confidence about ourselves. I mean, otherwise we live for others. We don't live for ourselves. Right. And so in terms of having a sense of being confident about ourselves, how do we do that? (laughs) I mean, there are young girls who are maybe considering careers in STEM, let's just say, um, who maybe pursuing it because of expectations from other people. Um, They want to somehow better themselves or give themselves a really strong foundation for later life. Um, What does feeling comfortable about yourself look and feel like? It's, it's, It's going to sound like very old school. So if your audience are many teenager. Uh, I apologize in advance. I, at the end of the day, I think <laughs> we need to understand that it's okay to fail. I think a lot of the uh, the 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 uh, the thing about being lack of confidence is because we are really worried about failing. So when we see something we want to try or we find that it might be fun or whatnot, I say go for it. And so what if it fails? You know, this experience of failing makes us feel stronger and eventually we understand ourselves better. We know what we like more than we will do better. And from failure to success, we build up our confidence. So, yeah, I would just say no matter what you want to try, just try it. And it's okay to fail, especially for, uh, you know, uh, our younger audience here. I I have to say what I noticed from teaching is that nowadays I'm not sure if it was because of Facebook or whatnot. So people have a very have a facade that all look very confident. 
But in reality, I think a lot of the people are really worried about how people view them and therefore they don't want to show failure and therefore they don't want to try things anymore. And sometimes you even see people when they do the tutorial questions. So when they when they cannot do it, they just stop and they ask us for uh, you know, some tips on how to do it. And I always ask them, what do you think? What do you think? Have you thought about this or whatnot? Can you show me uh, how you would approach a question? And sometimes some students would be just like, I don't know how to do it. And I think they actually know how to do it. They have some idea of how to do it, but they are worried that, yeah, they are too scared to fail. And that's the thing. If you don't fail, you don't learn, you will never be successful later. Then how can you be confident? Then you will only live under fear. Mm. Have you experienced failure? Oh, I have experienced a lot of failure in terms of failed experiments. I mean, the, you, you, that's why I said whoever, you know, it really doesn't matter whether someone wants to be a scientist or researcher in the future. If you like uh, to tackle problems and, you know, you, and you manage to have the intellect uh, to to go to grad school, I really think people should go for it because I can ensure anyone that get into grad school, they are going to face a lot of failure. And during this process, you really rebuild your confidence and you be, hopefully we all become a better person. But I think it it does actually apply to anything we do, really. I mean, no matter what job we take up, we just have to try our best and do it and understand that it's okay to fail. I mean, you talk about grad school as being an environment where failure is part of the course, essentially. But do you think it's fair to say that before grad school and maybe even before undergrad, there isn't really a culture of allowing failure to exist? I think we are very much governed by our examination system. And in the examination system, obviously, we are actually being judged. And the fact that, you know, people feel like going to university is so important, um, it it, it becomes... It become a situation that we don't have room to fail. If you think about it, almost in the education system. Having said that, the best people that I know that I work with don't all come from Oxbridge, so to speak. So people take a slightly different yeah. path in their lives, and and it's okay. I I know that it's it almost sounds like you know I just say it because you know obviously our life hasn't gone through a lot of failure. And that's why, you know, we, we are here. But just imagine even doing sports or even going skiing, there's actually a lot of incidents uh, where we will fail. And maybe we, if the examination system or education system doesn't allow us to 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 experience failure and to build ourselves. Another thing that we could do actually is sports. <laughs> um, but I I I, 
I, I, I can understand that it is difficult. And I, I do understand why students nowadays are so afraid to express themselves because they, they are worried that they might fail. But it's not something that is easily solvable. But it also sounds like you encourage the idea of, okay, if you can't fail um, academically, then allow yourself to fail in other ways, but just experience failure because it's healthy. It is important. And, you know, I also encourage my students to do sports and whatnot. It's not just about, you know, it's a way to basically experience different things. So if 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 someone if their sole purpose in life, let's say for example a student, their sole purpose in life is just exam. It's it's obviously stressful and unhealthy, but the consequences of that failure might just break them in that sense. So I think it's quite important to try different things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I I I do feel in that sense a bit helpless because I do see my see student every day you know like we deal with a lot of undergrad and whatnot and it is very difficult to encourage them to 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 so called experience failure the only thing that for example I can do is mm. even you know for experiments and whatnot because we do have lab session for undergrad we encourage them to think, we encourage them to uh, ask questions, we encourage discussion. So if they make a wrong answer, it's okay, what a big deal. And I mean, it's no big deal at all. And that's what we do. We just need to tell them and ensure them, it's no big deal, say whatever you like, you know, there's no camera to record you. We're just having a discussion. So so within the education system, there's really not a lot we can do. But I think in terms of other things, um, and other aspect in life, probably there are room. We just don't need to post everything on Facebook. Then I think people will be more willing to experience yeah. failure. It feels like girls are more conscious about failing than boys. In your experience of working with students, would you say that's true, or am I just really not going to get? gender differences out of you (laughs) I do think there is a difference I think I think boys tend to neglect other people feeling a bit more um and I can I can I can even see that in 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 my team so if you think about people that uh, that are less considerate is rarely girls, for example. I think that is partly personality and probably partly because we were trained to be more considerate. We, we, we as a child, we are expected to be helpful. I, I think we are all genuinely helpful, by the way. It's not because of gender, but it, there's also an expectation and it becomes built into us so we are built to be helpful and we are built to be more considerate which is true um i also think that for some uh, female students they might um they might be uh, they might get distracted a bit more easily 
because of what other people think, which is true. But it mm. it actually depends a little bit on culture as well, I think. So I'm not sure if it is just because yeah. of they are being female or because they are being girls. Uh, whether they are because they are girls or because, you know, of the culture they have. But there is some difference. Right. But yeah. it's one of those things that if we encourage them and make them understand the situation a bit better, um, I think people become more aware what is the right way to deal with things and eventually this gender difference go away. Yeah, I mean... Uh, from what you're saying, I really see a glimmer of hope that we could maybe teach boys to just be that little bit more empathetic in the same way that we encourage girls to be that. And if we try to do that from an early age, we could actually make, we could equalise gender differences. I saw a show on, on, on TV and it was actually about uh, little boys and girls and how their parents treat them. So what they did is they have the kid dress in, a, so a boy's dress in girls' clothes and uh, girls dress in boys' clothes. And then they ask adults to play with these children. And actually, um, it is the adult that are forcing the girls wearing boy clothes to play cars and the girls was okay with it and it's the same thing when the the boys is wearing girl clothes the adult give him a door yeah it's the adults that need to change their attitudes not the children oh that's brilliant yes so actually children from the start they have no preference yes you know they are basically just you know a piece of paper or a A blank canvas yes exactly and you know and I actually think that even if we are dealing with teenage teenager or even at university I mean obviously they are not toddler anymore but you know to to make them understand that you know you you are you it really doesn't matter whether a boy or girl and you can do whatever you like you can try whatever you like. I mean, that's a start. And once once they have some positive experience about it, they will become more confident and they will understand this gender equality or this gender-blind mm. situation better. Gosh, that makes so much sense. And it's such a refreshing perspective. Have you always been this way or have your perspectives grown with you? My friend said that I'm too rational in general. <laughs> so, uh, yes, because that's what mechanical engineers are. <laughs> I think, yeah. So, uh, we, I think we are defined by our education a lot, yes. isn't it? It's very difficult to not see the world methodically after you studied mechanical engineering. Indeed, that's why I think it's a good degree. I encourage anyone, not just boys, not just girls, but anyone, if they think that they want to do something meaningful that could help the world and they are afraid of afraid of blood, mechanical engineering is the way to go. <laughs> oh my God, that's so brilliant. Actually, that was going to be my closing question. For any young girls, and actually I'm going to say for any young boys too, because... 
I, I'm so convinced by what you said about gender differences. So for any young people out there who are considering careers in STEM, particularly engineering, what would be your advice if they're kind of wobbling a bit on their decision? I think if they want to do something meaningful and and actually make a difference, engineering is definitely the way to go. I also want to say that, you know, making money is only one aspect of things and we don't go to university to get a degree just to make money. I mean, plumber make a lot, so or you know, or electrician make a lot. So if you want something that really challenge you, that you will enjoy, and after the degree, you you can you you have the skill to actually make a difference. I totally think that people should consider science and engineering or mathematics. That's the way to go. Oh, you've been such an inspiration, and my gosh. Your perspectives and your view on the world is so refreshing. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have on the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for joining me in silence. That's it from my STEM guest this week. My gosh, the amount of times I wanted to hug my guest. I can't believe how rational and logical and clear she is on her self-acceptance and confidence and comfortability in her own skin. I'm utterly inspired and just blown away with um, her confidence. I want to be like her. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Silence. Please don't forget to rate and review the show and subscribe and I'll catch you next week on Silence.